Good day everyone, this is Jonathan Phillips, or as some of you may know me, as Jono. I trust you are well and keeping yourselves warm and safe and cozy, locked in at home. God has laid on my heart today to share a message that He so graciously gave me some time back. In this day and age, even though we cannot meet physically, the church building does not define God's church. We are His church. So right at this moment, we are having church. So grab your Bibles and let's dive into God's Word today. The title of today's message is, You're Gonna Be Okay. God bless. Allow me, let me just speak some life over you. There's a lot of people that saying all sorts of things over your life. So let me also have my chances to speak over you. Father, this morning I stand before your children, Father God. Lord, and I declare, Lord, that there shall be nothing lacking. There shall be nothing missing. I declare, Father God, that they have the authority, Father God, to trample on snakes, to trample on scorpions, Father God. I declare that anything that comes at their doorstep, Father God, they have the victory over, Lord. Nothing shall overwhelm them, Father God. They will never get to a point, Father God, where they give up. They will never retreat. They will never surrender. They are strong and they are courageous, oh Father God. Everything that you place in their hands, O Lord, they shall bring forth a bountiful harvest towards you, Father God. Lord, I thank you that they are your witnesses. Wherever you send them to the north, south, east and west, Lord, they are your representatives, Lord. And Lord, I declare that they move and go with your authority this morning, Father God, that wherever they step they know that they are representing you, Father God. And that power and that resources of heaven follows them wherever they can go, Father God. Lord, I declare, Lord, that you, that you uh, help them to understand, Lord, that there is no defeat in you. There is only victory, Father God. And even though they may be going through whatever, Lord, as just a momentary affliction, Father God. But it shall pass. It shall pass. Pass, Lord, and I speak that over their lives, Lord, that every area of breakthrough, Father God, that now is the time, O oh Lord. Now is the time. Give them the tools, Lord. I declare that you have given it to them, Father God. Show them and give them the courage, Lord, to use what you've placed in their hands to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. I know you love reading the word and in the word, wherever you go, there's always hope. Regardless of what story you may read, and there's some hectic things in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. People think that they're creative when they come up with all their series and all of these things that's on TV, but nothing compares to the drama that's in this book. But yet, Regardless of how it starts, regardless of what happens in the middle, what I love about the Word of God is it always ends with me as a child of God, I'm on top. And that is hope. It takes hope for you to get to the top. It takes hope. So what is hope? Hope is the bridge that carries you across to the deepest desires and longings that you might have. So without the bridge, you're not going to get there. You can be spirit-filled, 
you can be filled with the word you might even know what your calling is but if you walk in utter hopelessness you will always never get there you will always see it it will be there like the israelites moving 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 it's, it's just there but i never get there if you don't have hope hope is the shield that deflects the fiery arrows of doubt and discouragement and oh you will be discouraged you better believe it what you are doing you what what you need to understand is the thing that the enemy has against you is when 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 he made a mistake there was no second chance for him he was kicked out of heaven but what he cannot take is he wasn't given a second chance but you are given grace upon grace upon grace that is why he's on your case all the time because he cannot take it that i just made one little mistake and i was kicked out but look at your children they sin each and every day and there is grace for them that is what he has against you that is why he will never make it easy for you to take hold of the promise that god has for you it's always going to be a fight always but you are stronger than what you think you are this morning Hope is the choice weapon of warfare to advance against the plans of the enemy. Do you want to defeat the enemy? Just throw a little bit of hope. Regardless of what you go through, show him that you are filled with hope. He's defeated right there and then. Right there he's defeated. When you consistently walk in hope, he throws whatever, he puts you into the fiery furnace, you are just filled with hope. He nails you to a cross you are just filled with hope. There's very little that can defeat somebody that has hope coursing through their every being. It's difficult to get somebody down like that. It's difficult to derail somebody like that when they walk in in hope. You see because hope is not dependent on your surroundings. Hope is a anchor that keeps you on the straight and narrow regardless what goes on around you that's the power of hope hope is a requirement of your destiny and calling in Christ many times we think that hope is something that we don't want to waste our time on i rather want to deal in facts pastor i don't i don't have time for 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 hope but in this day and age you have to have The requirements of hope first and foremost is commitment. What are you what is that dream that you have? What is that thing that you are fighting for? Whatever it is, your responsibility to be able to stay in a position of hope, you need to be committed to it. What does commitment mean? It means come what may, I'm not abandoning this dream for no one. I'm not abandoning it because my father gave me this dream. He gave me this desire. He placed it inside of me so I know I'm supposed to have it so I'm going to be committed to it. You can beat me down, you can say whatever, but yet I will just rise up again and move towards that destination that my God has set for me. That is what hope does. But you must be committed. You can't be committed today and then a little storm comes and then shoo, you're out again. No, you must be committed. Committed is like escom. It only benefits you when it's functioning. There's no load shedding in hope. 
It's constantly on all the time. Constantly on. So those of you who have electric boxes, what do you do? You make sure you buy the units because you don't want to be without electricity. That's what hope is like. You need to make sure that you always have enough hope to get you through the day. That is why you cannot go without spending time with your Lord and your Savior each and every day. Because you will run dry. My brother, my sister, this world today, the system of the world is designed to sap the spiritual nature out of you. The picture, if I can give you, it's somebody sitting with a straw and God has given you the measure and the portion for that day and then this coming and they suck in it out of you every single day. That is why you cannot just uh, look forward just to a Sunday to, 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 to get filled. No, you need to be committed, and committed means I take responsibility for it. One of the other requirements of hope is you need to be emotionally and ment- you have to have emotional and mental stamina. This is going to be a, a, a tough walk for many of you. Whatever you might be facing, it's tough. But you need to make sure that you're emotionally and mentally stable. Because we are, we are spiritual beings, but we're in this natural body, so which means there's certain natural things that we are still governed by, which includes your emotions, which includes your mental state. So if you don't look after that, that's the gap for the enemy. A lot of mistakes that believers make is that they are so spiritual that they are useless in the natural. They can't do anything in the natural. You can't, there has to be a balance. There has to be a balance. Am I saying neglect your spiritual life? Definitely not. But you need to make sure that you are still okay here, that my emotions are still intact, that I don't lose it. I've seen many of people that they, they, they're so deep in, in a lot of things, but when they're facing things, they, their way of thinking it doesn't make sense because they, 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 they are so disconnected from reality, what is happening in reality. They're so disconnected. They're not looking after their mental state. The devil, he, he knows what's happening. He knows the systems of this world. And he will use every single system of this world to get you down. You better believe that. The next thing you need is a strong inner circle of support. Am I saying a, you need gossip girls around you? No. You need a strong inner circle. A whole rugby team, Pastor? No. Count them on your head. If it's two, if it's three, you need strong men and women to surround you. That when that moment comes where it's difficult, you can go to them for support. One puts a thousand to flight, two puts ten thousand to flight. Don't make the mistake of thinking that you can do this on your own. We need one another. There's a reason why our Christian faith is referred to as the body of Christ. With many parts. Each part dependent on the other. You need a strong inner circle. Ecclesiastes uh, 4 from verse 9 to 10 it says, Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall... One will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone. When he fails, he has no one to help him up. No one. Don't be a spiritual island. 
where you are on your own. You keep everybody at bay to such an extent that when you need help, there's no one to turn to. You have your quiet time alone with the Lord, yes, but you are still a part of the body. Never forget that. Regardless what what happens in your upper room, when you step out there, you are again a part of the body. You also need inner self-worth. You need to value yourself. Not these things that the world is doing now in terms of psychology, where it's all about me, myself, and I, and you know, all of these things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about know your worth in Christ. Know who you are. Know the person that God has knit you together to, to be. Know your strengths. Know what you're not so good at. Know what is entitled to you. Deuteronomy 31 verse 5 to 7 says, The Lord will give them over to you. This is, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is, yeah, this is where uh, um, there's a handover from Moses to Joshua now. So Joshua's going to now go and take the people in. So this is where the, the, the scenario is. So the Lord will give them over to you that you may do them according to every command which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now look at this now. Uh, verse 7. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all of Israel. So he called Joshua out. He could have easily just have done it in the, just in the quiet, in the tent, just come here. But he calls Joshua out in front of the multitudes. And he says, be strong and of good courage. For you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. You, you shall cause them to inherit. You, Joshua, you will be the cause of them to inherit this. But the reason why he singled him out and placed him on a platform and spoke to him publicly because he was nurturing his self-worth. Can you imagine stepping in the shoes of Moses? Sure. Must have been fearful for him or seeing all the things that Moses had done, the things he can do with a staff alone. I mean, wow. Here I must follow in the footsteps of this. Whoa. So he calls Joshua out. And he he encourages him. You need self-worth. You need to value yourself. Don't think less of yourself. Don't look at the person next to you and think, if only I was like they are. If only I could be like them. If only I could have what they have. No. You are perfect. To such an extent that the grace had gone he doesn't give it to you because you, you deserve it. He gives it to you because of his love for you. That is how valuable you are. So don't you undermine yourself because of what your family says, what friends says, what others say of you. No. God accepts you for where you are in your current season because he knows he's working on you. So have that self-worth. Be proud of who you are. Be proud of who you are. If you want to be practical, stand in the middle. It's okay. Stand and say, you're good, man. You're doing good. You will get through this. You have everything inside of you. Don't worry what they're saying. And even if it sounds crazy, do this in the middle. You need to encourage yourself. The other thing you need is you need faith. 
You want to have hope? Yeah. You need faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And this is where a lot of us, why we have a lot of believers that's in that saddened state that we heard this morning. That's where there's sadness. You might not be defeated, but you're sad. It's because we're living in a day and age where the church is gravitating towards the world. In terms of, we no longer want to do things in faith because that's too risky. I want it to be calculated to such an extent where I'm certain I'm going to get that by that particular date. God don't work like that. He works by faith. You can't give a date for the Lord to do something. On this day in January, whatever, whatever, at this time, I'm going to wait, Lord, and, and I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure the calculations work so you do that. No, you can't box God in like that. He don't work like that. He works in faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So in other words, your hope is made up of faith. It's made up of, it's constructed of faith. That is why going, always going back, it says in the Bible that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because if you are a hopeless Christian walking around hopeless, how are you going to please the Lord? How are you going to fulfill your calling if you walk around in a constant state of hopelessness and doubt? You can't do that. That is why you need faith. And today in this new age teachings, you hardly hear about faith. Everything is about, if it's not about me, if it's not about money, if it's not about whatever other stuff, but we sort of neglecting the spiritual side of our Christian faith. And what's ministered from the pulpit is only things that I can touch and I can see and I can, I, I can sort of look at these things. But we forget about the things that, things that is not seen, it's more real than things that are seen. And that only makes sense to you. Once the closer you get to the Lord, then that statement becomes real. Then you realize that these things, this body, it actually just, it's just a distraction for me. I need to focus on the Lord. God is seated in the spirit. So faith is the scaffolding of hope. It's the scaffolding of hope. A refusal to live a life of faith is an indirect agreement or an acceptance for a life of hopelessness. If you refuse to walk by faith, so in other words, let me, make, let me break it down. If you refuse, if you are somebody that don't like to leave things to chance, if I can put it that way, it's a very loose uh, um, uh, connection to faith. But if you don't like to leave things to chance as a believer, no, I, I want to know how it's going to happen. I, I want to know. And if I don't know, if I, if, I, if I don't make sense of it here, then I reject the whole deal. Because does, it doesn't make sense here. So if you accept that that is the way you are going to do things, then you are basically welcoming hopelessness. Because you're, the only scaffolding of hope is faith. So you can't be a believer filled with hope. You walk, don't walk by faith. You still want to walk by what you see. It doesn't happen like that. There's a certain order in the kingdom and God doesn't, he, he doesn't change it for anybody. So we have our hope. And when this hope begins to mature, it matures into 
things that is not seen yet. If you have a blank page, that blank page, you can write anything on there. Anything your, to your imagination you can write on there. That's sort of what hope is like. So hope is like a blank check. Whereas if, I, if you have something in the natural, this bottle's in the natural, it's only going to be a bottle. It won't be anything else. I can stare at it. I can pray about it. It's only going to be a bottle. But when you have hope, it gives you the access to create and be the architect of things in your life that, you, that is not there yet, which gives you an opportunity to make it become there, to make it become real. That is what faith does. It puts the tools in your hand to look around you and see, this is what I don't have. Let me be the architect and let me erect this in my life. But you need to operate in this thing. You see, hope is founded here in the heart, not in the head. You can't reason hope. If you're going to try and reason out hope, it's just not going to work. Your mind will give you a thousand and one reasons why hope is insane. Why you shouldn't hope. Because hope is not seated in the natural mind. It's seated in your, in your heart. Not too long ago, we had a, a, a sermon on guarding your heart. This is why you need to guard this heart of your so you can't calculate it. And that for me, for man, has become the biggest uh, uh, deterrent to walk in faith as believers. It's because everything in this world, in this day and age, if you look at it, it's carefully calculated and plotted to a state of perfection. But now you come as a Christian and the word tells you to let go of all of that and walk into a realm where you cannot calculate this particular thing. You can't work it out, but yet you need to walk into it. It doesn't make sense. But that's the thing about your Christian faith. Your Christian faith is, a, is made up of a percentage of what you must do. And the other percentage is where God falls in the blanks. And that is what we don't like, if we are honest with ourselves. We don't like being in the dark. I want to know everything. I want to know the steps, amount of steps it takes to get there. We don't want to walk and step out. We see nothing, but yet have faith to walk and know that I'm going to step on water and I'm, going to, I'm, not going to flow, I'm not going to sink. Let me ask you a question. If that was you in the boat where Peter was and the Lord called you out, what would you do? Are you there by strand? You're on the boat? Or you, took, you went to the waterfront and uh, you hired a boat out, very nice, uh, and the Lord comes on you in the water and he says, Roger! Come out! <laughs> and there's a whole lot of tourists there. Hey, what am I going to do now? And if you, if you just think of that scenario, the voice that will be the loudest is the natural mind, which will scream, don't do it! It doesn't make sense! And then your spirit says, but that is Jesus. I know that voice. And your voice says, yes, it's Jesus, but this don't make sense. Why would Jesus, and that's what the mind does, why would Jesus ask you to walk on the water when it naturally don't make sense? Scientifically, it doesn't make sense. So these two will always be in, in a battle. And if you don't make your peace with that, you're never going to be able to walk by faith. Because God is going to ask you, ask Abram, your one and only son. I've been waiting for this boy for long, Lord. I even made a mistake by producing an Ishmael just because I wanted the son. Now you've given me the son. Now you say I must go and sacrifice him? 
Can you imagine the mental calculations that is going on in his head to try and figure out what is God trying to do here? No, but I like what the word says there. It says when God told him to do that, it says, and the next morning he got up and he went. <laughs> he didn't fast for 40 days and went to the people where had a bit ear there and tried and told this sister and that brother, oh, this is what the Lord is telling me, can you please confirm it? Waiting for five prophets to first confirm the word for him, all of these things, uh, you know. Playing a Russian roulette with the Bible, opening and seeing where it lands and seeing what if it confirmed or not. No, he just got up and he went and did it. Now the thing about him is there was no guarantee that God would not kill his son. But yet he followed through. That is why he's considered as the father of faith. He's considered as that. But look at what God did for him. Descendants as many as the stars in the sky, as the sand in the sea. That is what God does when somebody operates in faith. When you, put, when you walk in faith, you're basically putting God in a position where he has to show up. Why? Because his name is at stake. Because Lord, I'm stepping out in faith and I know this is you. And if you don't show up, your name is not going to be held up high. So God is forced to do it. And how do I know he's forced? Because when, when God does something and, it, and it's done out of faith, we call it a miracle. But what a miracle is, is when something uh, 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 goes beyond the natural. So in the natural, this is not supposed to be like that. This guy is dead in the natural. He's supposed to stay dead. But a miracle means God forces the natural forces out. He forces it just to make his, 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 his word come to pass because his name is at stake. That's what God does when people walk in faith. Oh, I need to show up. Claudia has been praying for so long. She's telling everybody that this is going to happen, that my God can supply all my needs. So I, 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 I better come through. I better come through. What the heart perceives, the mind believes. That's the thing about this mind of ours. It causes a lot of havoc. But once it gets hold of your heart, the heart will always override the mind. The voice will still be there, but it will be like a little whisper. It will become a suggestion and not a command. For most believers, the mind commands them to do things. And the heart is quiet. But it must be the other way. You need to deceive it. And how do you do that? How, let me go to the beginning. How do you get faith? Faith cometh by what? By hearing. And hearing what? The word of God. Simple. You don't have to go to a seminar for a whole weekend to figure out how am I going to get this thing right. The Bible says it there. Fill yourself up with word. To the extent, because when you fill up with the word, the word don't go to the mind. The word goes to the heart. It goes there. And once this is full, then it starts to override this. You see, what is visible is, is limited. It's limited. But what is unseen is limitless. Limitless. The Bible says no, no, mind, no, no eye is seen, no mind can know the things that God has in store for those who love the Lord. So in other words, man at his best is trying to create all of these things, but it's seen, it's natural, it's finite, it's always going to be that. But you as a believer, you can stand out and look on the plane of life and you can see the things that is not in place. And you have the power to do that and create that. 
Because you are operating in faith. Because you have this hope inside of you. What you are doing is, is you have this blank canvas for the Holy Spirit to walk in and work in. In Genesis, right at the beginning, who was involved in the creation of everything that we, we admire here? Holy Spirit was there, hovered over the waters, and when God commanded, it did. Do you know that that same Holy Spirit is subject to you? That is why a lot of us, we're waiting for too long for other people to do things in our... We're waiting for the pastor to fix our things. We're waiting for the prophet to, 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 to get a word. We're waiting for the apostle. All of these things when Holy Spirit... The same Holy Spirit that is in that man or that woman is inside of you. But you are waiting for other people. Why do you think the veil was torn? The veil was torn that indicated that anybody can go in and commune with the Father. That's what it means. But we are waiting for, I don't know what. But God is waiting on you this morning. The only limit is the limit that you have in your mind. That's the only limit that you have. If you look at the process of birth, that whole process, the mother, the, the mother, when you are pregnant, go through your nine months or whatever, uh, the mother doesn't have the baby in hand, but she has the hope to know that the baby will come. She feels the kick, but she doesn't have it in the hand. You might even go to the gynecologist or whatever, and they do the sonograph thing, whatever they call it, and you see the little image, but you don't have it in your hand. I find it so significant that it's so similar to when we birth things in the spirit. You, you, you feel it in the spirit, but you don't have it in your hand. You see it in your vision that God gives you, but you don't have it in your hand. You see how the, the, the changes in your life, but you don't have it in your hand yet. It's the same thing. It's exactly the same. Hope is made up of three things. That every, No matter who you are, when you walk in hope, you will encounter these things. The first one is in hope there will always be test and tribulation. Always test and tribulation. Sorry, I missed one. One of the requirements of hope, sorry. The last one, cannot miss this one, is the Holy Spirit. I did mention it, but I have to make it official. So the other requirement of, Holy, of, 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 of hope is the Holy Spirit. Romans 15 verse 13 says... Now may the God of hope. So where does hope come from? It comes from God. So the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. You can't believe without hope. And you can't have hope without God. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. You want to have hope. You wonder, a lot of times you wonder why do I feel so hopeless because you've done something that has caused the Holy Spirit just to step away from you slightly. Slightly still there, but not as close as it used to be. Because where the Holy Spirit is, there's always hope. Always hope. The earth was void and darkness overtook it. And the, when the Holy Spirit came upon the scene, He started to create. 
started to create. He made light where there was darkness. He created all these things. There was no life and he made life in the oceans. He made life everywhere. The Holy Spirit is a master of hope. So getting back to what the makeup of it is, this is what it's, what in, in every, whenever you're going to deal in hope, you will encounter these three things. Tests and tribulations. First Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, Walks around like a roaring lion. Again, just remember, it's like. He's not a roaring lion. The only lion I know is the lion of Judah. That's the only lion I know. It doesn't say he's like the lion of Judah. He said he is the lion of Judah. But the devil, the devil is the great pretender. The great deceiver. He's never an original. He's always a copy. So he walks around like a lion. And it's amazing how we are intimidated by this like lion. He's like a lion, but we are intimidated by him. He's a fake. He's seeking whom he may, whom he, I like the word may. So it means he's not, (laughs) he's not entitled to devour you. May, may, I'm brought back. I'm brought back to the story of Job. He went to the Lord. Can I do this? I see your disciple. And he couldn't do a thing once the Lord didn't say it. Sure. That that is loaded right there. Whom he may devour. Do you see the magnitude of his power? It's nothing. He has no power. Everything is based on God's approval. Everything. Whatever attack, that is why if an attack does come through from, even if it's originated from the devil, the fact that it has been allowed, I'm just reminded of Job. God is just allowing this through because he knows I can handle it. So even if it got through, I'm not going to become despondent because I know it's not going to take me out because God, God, he, the, what, what, what happened in the courts of heaven, you know, or oh, this, this whole dialogue that, that, that has gone place uh, between God and the devil, looked at your circumstance, and he had to go with a petition. Can I do this to them? And God looked at your circumstance. Oh, you, Roger can handle it. Yes, you may. <laughs> yes, you may. <laughs> now, if that is God's attitude, why would I want to fear? If God tells me, yes, you may do that. There's nothing that happens on heaven and earth that God does not allow. Nothing. Sure. Verse 9, resist him. This shows me more how powerless he is. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Verse 10. But may the God of all grace who called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After you have suffered a while. You will suffer. You will suffer a while. Not forever and ever and ever. That is how you know. Something is not right here. This thing is going on too long. Uh, The expiry date is long gone. Um, I can actually smell. It smells a bit off because it's expired. This thing needs to get out. That's when you need to rise up and you need to take authority and put that devil out. Because sometimes God allows the may. He says you may do this, but he sort of overstays his welcome. And because we don't know who we are, we just allow him to be and do whatever he wants to do. Not knowing that his time is actually up. So after you suffered a while, 
after you suffer the while god will what perfect you he will establish you he will strengthen you and settle you shoo do you see the importance of this thing called suffering there's certain things that you can only produce in suffering like the women will know there's certain things that you can only make when the heat is turned up you can only make certain things like that try and make a nice roast chicken without any heat you can put whatever spices on there you can put it in the oven nothing's going to happen you'll have raw chicken with spice nothing's going to happen certain things only develop and come out to the way it's supposed to when you turn the heat up and it ends off and it says verse 11 to him in Christ be the glory and the dominion forever and ever amen there's going to be a test and tribulation the makeup of every believer is of such a nature can you imagine once this thing gets a hold of you once it gets seated in your heart you will look at trials in a different light you won't run away from them but you will begin to realize hey this is a may thing going on here the lord said may you may do that so why am i running away let me just go towards this thing because it's not going to take me out so it will change your perspective it will change your attitude because you will know that regardless of what it looks like regardless of what it looks like i have the authority over this thing i have the authority my daddy in heaven has given this thing and allowed it to come on my path because he knows i can handle it the other part of hope which is also difficult is the weight when it comes to hoping waiting is the most it's, it's probably the most difficult thing I, i i can i can handle trials because you the thing with waiting is a lot of times when there's a trial you sort of have to do something so you're busy all the time but waiting what do i do now, now i'm waiting and the time is passing but this thing is not coming and i don't know what to do uh, i don't have any trial to fight i've overcome it now now i'm just waiting uh, you know i'm sort of in limbo the word wait there is not doing nothing it's not stagnant those who wait upon the lord not no it's not i'm just i'm just stationary and i'm just waiting no it means i'm getting on with the things that i'm getting on with until that thing comes to pass that is what the wait means it doesn't mean my whole life is on pause now i, I i'm on pause until i get the thing i don't move from here i just i just i just don't do anything the things that you are doing you continue to do until your breakthrough comes that is what waiting means and then the last portion which we often don't perceive is the breakthrough so when you deal with hope there's going to be a test and tribulation there's the wait but then there's the breakthrough and this is where a lot of us i believe that we are we don't realize that we are at the breakthrough and the reason why we have not obtained it is because we are waiting for others to break through you you verbalize it with your mouth you say no this is my i'm waiting for my breakthrough so if it's your breakthrough it means you need to break through but again we waiting on the praise of others are beneficial but it's your promised land you need to break through if you if 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 you are trusting the lord with something in your family you need to break through you need to do something to break through this thing 
is just a little bit of an obstacle, but break through. And you will feel it. You will feel when this, 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 this thing has run its course and now it's more of a, of, of a, of a, of a nuisance now. That's when you know, hi, this thing, I, I need to, God is waiting on me now because this thing it doesn't even bother me anymore. It's just a nuisance. So that means my breakthrough is something that I must do to actually penetrate this particular wall that's in front of me. Now, how do you break through? You break through through a, God will either do, he'll do it in these three ways, either through a sound. So he will, he, will, he will allow you to declare certain things like the walls of Jericho. They walked, they walked, they walked, they walked. And then the last time they made a mighty shout and then the walls came tumbling down and they broke through. So God will give you a prophetic sound. The right word to say. He will give you a right phrase that you need to utter constantly. Or you have to say it constantly. You have to immerse yourself in this particular saying. Or, you know, a particular sound. That you will have to sing over yourself or declare over yourself. But on your sound, you will, you will, God will direct you through an act of courage to get breakthrough. If you look at Jonathan and his armor bearer, the whole army was seated on this side and on the other side was the enemy. Jonathan and his armor bearer decided, let us go alone. Just the two of them and they went and they went. And they caused such havoc that the enemy started fighting each other. And they defeated each other. When his father came, I think it was Saul, and he came and he realized there's a battle going on. And what happened was they did a roll call. Because he said, I gave nobody permission to go. Let's see who was, the, who was missing. They did a roll call and they discovered it's Jonathan and his armor bearer. And they rushed into the battle. They rushed only to find that these guys are fighting over themselves. They're killing one another. So it took an act of courage. It took an act of courage. Now we often think that courage doesn't, there's, there's, there's no fear in courage. No, there's, there's, there's still fear there. So if you're waiting for the fear to leave, that's not going to leave. Fear stays there. Courage means you act in, the, in, the, in, in, in spite of the presence of fear. I mean, you can imagine Jonathan and his armor bearer. I know the Bible puts it so nicely, but if you're looking at this mighty army, you, even the, the simple math that don't make sense, there's just the two of us and one is an armor bearer. Um, what are we going to do? But he had courage. And because of that, they got breakthrough. And the last one is through obedience. And that example I'll take out there is Naaman. He had leprosy. And he, by a simple instruction, go and dip yourself there in the river. In the, go dip yourself there. And I believe it's not once, it was how many times? It was, was it just once? Seven times, yes. He adhered to the instruction given to him. So God will either give you a sound, he will, give, he will, he will direct you to an act of courage. In other words, if you, you will go straight into the thing that you fear the most, but you will move and you will do what God asks you to do. But the other thing is he will, he will direct you in terms of saying, you need to follow my instructions to the T. And sometimes, and this, the difference between this and the act of courage is, uh, God will give you some... Uh, form of obedience, something to do, that's not really fearful, but it's just you never thought of doing things that way. It doesn't make sense to Naaman. It's like, ah, leprosy, dip yourself seven times, I've never ever heard of this. Uh, it doesn't make sense, but he was obedient. So God will, God will direct you to do something ridiculous, but are you going to be obedient? In, in spite of what it may sound like, 
What are others going to think? See me dipping myself here seven times. It doesn't make sense. But he did it and he got his breakthrough. Jeremiah 29, we all know Jeremiah 29, 11, But from verse 4, it says that, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away. This sort of summarizes what we just said now. Carried away captive, again, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Again, that just cements the position in terms of nothing happens without God's okay. He has to give the okay and say, yes, you may do this to that particular child of mine. So there's certain things that you are facing that it might seem unfair to you, but there's a reason why God allows it to happen to you. There's a reason. And if God has the confidence in you to allow it, that should be all that you need in terms of if God has the confidence to allow this thing, it means that I can deal with it. And just what I've learned in life is just because you don't think you can deal with it in your current state, that's probably a little bit of a hint to why God allowed it. Because there's certain things that now we're forced to step out of our comfort zones. Like with me, an introvert, all of those things. So God purposefully placed me into positions where being an introvert is just not going to cut it. And I had to step out of the mold of being shy and being intimidated. And I had to step into what he wanted me to be. But he placed me in difficult positions. Difficult positions. So verse 5 it says, build houses. So while you're in this difficult state, and again, this shows you how you should wait. So he's saying, look, you're going to be carried away. I've allowed you to be taken into captive. But this is what you do while you wait. Now, verse 5, build your houses and dwell in them. Plant your gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters. That you may be, that you may, uh, be increased there. Where is there? There is the place where you are being captive. So it shows you here that your waiting is an active thing. Continue to do what you can do. And then it goes on and it says that you may be increased there and not diminish. Verse 7 and seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away. God reminds him, I've caused you to be carried away there. So seek to live in peace there. And pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. You see, there's a lot of things that God has architected and, and constructed in your life. Very difficult things. Because the only way God will reach certain people or changes to take place is if he places you in the mess right there. And a lot of times we think, but I did nothing to deserve this. Yes, we know that. God also knows that. But unfortunately, the only way certain people is going to change or the way they will get the peace of God is when you are there. You are his representative. So as his representative, like with some ambassadors, when they are going, when there's wars in various countries, they are the ambassador, they are positioned in those particular countries. Like ambassadors of America, if you go to whatever country and there's a war there as an ambassador, you are in the middle of the war. You are over there. So God sometimes uh, does that for you. If, if God wants you to be, if he's allowed you to be in a position where you're captive, certain people will proffer lie just because it sounds good. Because it sounds good because you are in captive. So they will give a word and say, no, you must get out now. But God never said it. Your time is not up yet. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, 
to give you a future and hope. So if the Lord did it before, he will do it again. Whatever miracles that the Lord has done in your past, that is not the last. He wants to perform more and more and more and more. So don't live as if uh, that there's a certain uh, quota over your life and because God has done this amount of uh, miraculous works, so he can't do any more in your lifetime. It doesn't work like that. Isaiah 40 verse 29 to 31, it says, He gives power to the weak. You feel weak? He gives power. Not me, not those around you. He gives power. And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Verse 30, even youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The key is slap bang in the middle there. Those who wait on the Lord. So you're going through something that seems hopeless. But as a believer, you have access to hope. And God has designed you in a way that in no, no matter what circumstance you're going through, that that measure of hope that is given you, and the Bible refers to it, if I can just put it in this way, we, we are all given a measure of faith. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, which means that regardless of your level of difficulty, God has given you the measure of hope for that particular thing. So in other words, He's given you the measure to withstand the heat of that particular fire. That is why you are still seated here this morning and you're not in some madhouse or you haven't taken your life because He's given you a measure of hope. So He's looking after you. He, by human nature, we don't like to struggle. That's human nature, regardless of who you are. You don't like difficult things. But God has to allow certain things because he needs to develop you in a certain way. That is why he allows it. Second Corinthians 4 verse 17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us. That difficult thing is actually working for you. It's making you a better person. It's bringing out things inside of you that was not there. It's for you. So it's working for us far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Verse 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Can you imagine, and I'll close with this part, there's two in, uh, analogies. Can you imagine if a baby uh, walked without hope? Or in other words, if I put it this way, when they are learning to walk. Can you imagine if they had no hope at all? They would have given up when the first fall took place. They tried, tried, stumbled, stumbled, and they would have fallen. And they would have said, no, I'm giving up. There's no hope for me because I, I fell now. It's not going to work. But the thing what I like about a baby is a baby doesn't feel the failure or difficulty of learning to walk. You will see them. They will knock their head. They will fall, but they just get up again. They cry, wipe their tears, and they just try it again because they don't fear the failure 
or the difficulty. They don't fear. They, or in other words, they don't focus on the fact that I've just hurt myself now. They're not focusing on that. Yes, they feel it, but they don't focus on what they focus on. The, the, a baby is focused not on the pain of the process, but the anticipation of the destination. Because the child knows, I want to get that thing on, top, on the top shelf. I want, but in order for me to get there, I need to learn to walk. I need to get there because I want to move. I'm tired of waiting for people to pick me up and take me there. So I need to learn to walk. So I want to get there. So the baby is focused on that and it falls and it hurts, but it gets up and it starts to move again because it wants to get there. Because it's sort of, it's desire to get to the destination overrides the pain barrier. It overrides the difficulties to such an extent that you today, you can walk. I can walk. Why? Because it's, it was instilled in me from the very beginning. Remember you were knit together in, the, in your mother's womb by the Lord? He knit you together, which means when you came out, there's certain hints that showed you that uh, I, I already have everything that I need, even as a little child. And if you look at a child, a child, I believe a child has the biggest measure of faith. Because if you tell a child, oh, you're going to get this, they will believe you. And they will pester you. And they will wait. You can tell a child anything. As an adult, they will believe you. No, but my daddy said that. My, no, but my mom, no, but my teacher said that. You can show them what proof. No, that person said, I believe them. Same with you. That's why the Bible says, unless you become like a child, will never inherit the kingdom of God. So we need to become, we need to uh, step down from that where we see ourselves as these adults that you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not too grown up to believe the things of the Lord. No. Start to become like a child. Believe your daddy at what he says. If you read it, you believe it. Regardless of what the world, regardless of how silly it sounds, or regardless of that, you just believe it. And you know what the next thing is after you believe it? Now you walk in it. And why? Like I encouraged you with earlier. Because when you walk in it, God has to honor the word that you, are, that you have read. Because you're walking on the word that he has established. And if it doesn't come to pass, his name is at stake. Is God not good to you? Yes, I know you're going through struggles and trials and all these things but be encouraged today that when you face circumstances that are hopeless God becomes your hope he says that I'm your ever-present help in times of need so today put your trust in him put your hope in him